Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. So I'm, I'm so excited to share and encourage you um, today. And uh, how many guys uh, would say, Preston, uh, to be honest, I'm uh, in one way or the other, I'm in love with somebody. I'm in love. All right, take a look around at all the people who are in love. And if your husband isn't raising your hand, thank you. <laughs> we'll pray for you, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about September, I feel like there's love in the air. It was September of 2017 where... I asked the love of my life out on our first date, <laughs> and I was, I was like nervous as can be, and uh, my uh, heart was beating out of my chest. It was like, bing, bada, bomb, bada, bing, bada, bomb, and, uh, and, uh, and, and finally, I waited to the last moment before we left, and I asked her out, and I felt like I always had the words to say, and then I met Dakota, and then I couldn't figure out what I was saying. I was like making it up as it's coming out. I hope this is right. I think you're special. I'm like, what am I saying? Ah! And, uh, and that happened to be uh, at the City Life Picnic 2017. And uh, on September 23rd, just that next week, we went on our first ever date. And a year from September 23rd, on September 23rd, 2018, uh, we got married. And I said, I do to the love of my life. And so we are coming up on one year of marriage. Can you believe it, church? Woo! And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, as, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. But getting married launched me into a, uh, a revelation, I think. Because in getting married, for the first time, I'm looking at our vows before we're getting married and, and the commitment, the covenant that's being made for better, for worse, richer and for poorer, and sickness and in health, till death do us part. And I kind of come to senses and come to terms with the fact that marriage is not a contract. How many of you know that marriage is better than a contract? Marriage is a covenant. A covenant is better than a contract. Here's how. Contracts are all about an agreement. You put this on the table and I do this. You do this, and I do this. But whenever I stop, you stop putting up your side of the deal, whenever it's no longer convenient for me, I'm out. See you later. That's not what a covenant's about. What a covenant's about in faith, in marriage, and how God has set it up, a covenant is a relational partnership that says for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, I'm with you. I've got you covered. I'm going to challenge you, and also I'm going to celebrate you when you win. And if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. And we're going to talk today, uh, using as a subject, a conversation around covenant relationship. Everyone say covenant. covenant. Conversation around covenant relationship. And I want to take a moment and look at four of the covenants God made 
with uh, his people, God made with individuals in the Old Testament. And then we're going to take a look at one specific covenant that God made with humanity. First covenant that we see, major covenant, is God making to Noah. What is the covenant he made? God promised to Noah that he would never flood and destroy the earth in that manner again, so you can be at peace. And to Abraham, he promised and made a covenant with Abraham that he would have many descendants and that he would be blessed to be a blessing. And then God, number three, made a covenant to Israel, made a covenant that God is saying, Israel, my nation, I'm going to distinguish you among nations. You're going to be a little bit different. How are you different? You're going to walk in my character and in my blessing. Next, number four, is to King David. God made a covenant with King David that his descendant would always reign. And how many of you guys know the descendant of David is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, the king who forever reigns. God set up four covenants in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, God has set in motion and fulfilled a new covenant. In John chapter 3, verse 16, and this is a conversation with a, a keeper of the law, someone very aware of this background, by the name of Nicodemus. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever, say whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. First, co first covenants for Noah, Abraham, Israel, King David. Then God makes a covenant, not to an individual, but rather to a whoever. It's a whoever believes in Jesus. What happens if you believe in Jesus? The covenant is that you might have eternal life. You may have eternal. You will have eternal life. And it's a full life, friends. And so we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to let you guys lean in on a family meeting. Did anybody ever have family meetings growing up? Raise your hand in the air like you just do care. Just a couple of you. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. So growing up uh, in the Woody household, uh, we used to have what we call family meetings. And uh, there were a couple of reasons for family meetings, and there were specific rules for family meetings. Uh, family meetings sometimes took place uh, where during the family meeting we'd have something called Woody Court. And uh, where dad would sit at the head of the table and my brother would bring his allegation that I threw his Lego in into the bed sheets and now he can't find it. And he was so angry and disappointed and, and I would try to interrupt and say, no, I didn't throw it. I, and then dad would say, stop, it's not your turn to talk. Go ahead and finish. And he would finish and he says, all right, now it's your turn. And, and dad would be the judge and the jury for our Lego and disputes and our hot Cheeto messes. And so we love family meeting. That was one element of it. And another was when dad would get us around the table and he would kind of set the direction for the future of the family. So uh, here's what I'm going to do on this Labor Day morning and the wonderful 10 a.m. service that is alive and well. Um, we're, I'm going to let you sit in on a little family meeting. Are you ready, church? 
All right, and during this time, it's okay to be responsive. It's okay to, to, to engage, to lean in. If there's something that's said that you feel like you really believe in, it's okay to say amen, that's good, preach it. And uh, this is, you're, you're sitting in, you're involved in this family meeting. So um, will you help me welcome our moderator, Colby, the day, I'm sorry, are you moderating? You're not moderating. Where's Jordan? Jordan's moderating today. Jordan Croissant. Give it up for Jordan Croissant. And also my wonderful, beautiful wife, Dakota Louise Woody, as she comes to the platform. And we're talking about covenant relationships during a family meeting. And Jordan, uh, we're going to allow you to be kind of the, the dad of the meeting. Yes. So everyone say, hey, that dad. That sounds good. Hey, dad. Hey. Oh, that's weird. For you to call me dad. Yeah, and you have like the smallest chair. That's interesting. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this this writer loves these things. I'm sure. I, I put them on there, and then he he uh, he shoots up. Yeah. You know, he's that small. He's that small. Yeah. But uh, how's it going? Yeah. Now that we've gone through all the really awkward stuff that Preston just did with the introduction of me as Colby, should I just pretend to be Colby? Yeah. Well, yet. I'm the, I'm the old Colby with the mustache, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone Colby had a mustache, guys? Yeah. All right, hey, so we're going we're gonna to ask a few questions. Preston, sit down. Sit down. Oh, yeah, hold on. Microphone. Stay first. seated, young man. You okay. okay. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> All right, so here, here's the question. Dad. What attracted you most to your spouse? So, for instance, you know, with me and Jana, you know, <laughs> she, she was, and she'll admit this, she was initially attracted to my very toned, muscular physique. Is that what happened with you guys? <laughs> I think that's kind of how it started. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, honey? <laughs> I've never called her honey before. I think that was yeah, the first time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's new. What is that all about? Yeah. No, here's the thing. Like, the first time I ever saw her, how many of you guys know where it was? It was like right there, like where you're sitting, TJ. Be careful. Right there oh. was the spot. And, no, and so it was where MJ is. It was where MJ is. Okay, close enough. MJ and TJ, whoa. Oh, my word. And uh, so my, I was sitting over back in this direction, and I looked to my right, and for the first time in my, wor- in my world and in my life, I see this, like, angelic figure. Oh. And, and it, I look, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I like that. And so what I did was what any good pastor does when is I just started like praising Jesus. Like, thank you, God, for my wife, your grace, you're good, faithful. And uh, and so what what attracted me most was I think initially was that Dakota, she was there, not just standing there, but she was like worshiping. Wow. She was she was praising God. Yeah. And uh, and something that um, I realize and understand that if uh, if somebody is willing to, to cast praise toward God, which means to kind of get out of yourself and out of your current situation and, and praise and declare and celebrate God, then that's a person who's probably very secure in themselves because they're not waiting for somebody else to celebrate them. And so what that's I good. realized is I want a girl that's pursuing the heart of God. Yeah. That's attractive to me. Yeah. And so I think that was the first thing uh, that yeah. drew me to you. It's very so pastoral of you. Besides yeah. your eyes. Thank you. <laughs> which are amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> for me, I think, obviously, I did realize that he was very attractive and had nice muscles. Um, That's good. And it's a Jenna running... said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah. Um, but it was, well, and also I, I'm a nurse, so I noticed his veins when he sat up here. I think he was like in a chair like this. Um, so that was initial. But I think moving on, like <laughs> what <laughs> really attracted me to him came when um, we went on our first date and it was just super attractive to me that he kind of he literally blocked the door from me getting into his car to let me know that he was asking me on a date for a specific purpose and he never wanted me to question where he stood um and I think that was really attractive to me because um being in relationships that I had in the past you know you questioned where you were at and in this culture too I mean in movies and stuff there's jokes about it like okay, are they going to call me in like three days or do I just wait and stuff like that? But I never had to do that. And I never worried or questioned where he stood. And that was really attractive to me. I was wondering if you were going to freak out when I did that. It was a little weird. Kind of weird. Yeah, I guess it was. But but I liked it. So so speaking of freak out, what, what would be the, um, the biggest fear of opening your hearts to each other? What was your biggest fear going into that? I think the biggest fear in opening my heart to her was the fact that, number one, I really, really like this person. Like, I, ha- I hadn't been on a date in six years. Like, I was just flowing and focusing, and then all of a sudden, this girl's got me derailed. And all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling these emotions that I haven't felt. And uh, I'm, I feel like, wow, if I give my heart to this person, to her, and... Um, and she ends up seeing me in and out, inside and out, and who I am on the inside, that maybe what if I'm not enough for her? Yeah. And so um, I, was, I realized, I think what scared me the most was taking those steps at the very beginning of the relationship to show her who I really am yeah. and, uh, and uh, be open about flaws. And so I think if we could sum it up by this way is what makes us all scared of relationship on some level on some degree is fear of rejection. Yeah. It's because if we're afraid that what we have to offer is going to be rejected, we won't put it out. And then when we're not putting out what God has and, and given us that makes us unique, then all of a sudden our relationships are shallow. Yeah. And I think that goes too with friendships also like we're, you know, covenant relationships. We're obviously talking about marriage and dating and stuff like that, but covenant relationships are friendships too. And I think that that's true in friendships because I know that, you know, fear of rejection in that way, um, opening, letting someone in that can cause shallow relationships also not even, you know, in marriage or dating, but yeah, Yeah. friendships too. Certainly. Yeah, right. It's like if you have that, you know, if you're if you're not stepping into your part of the contract or, or whatever in the friendship, the the power Covenant. of the, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, if you have a contractual relationship, <laughs> oh, yeah. the rejection is is very easy to happen because yes. you may not yeah. you may not measure up. That's incredible that you brought that up because like we I think the more contractual we are with our relationships, the more afraid of rejection we are. That's true, right. yeah. Because right. because we've that's all we've seen modeled for us. Yeah. And so I think I like I was I w- I had no realization of how much or how little revelation that I had of covenant relationship, and so um, I think that's that's key. Yeah, because you got each yeah. other's back no matter what, sticking through it. So, you know, so what is what's the greatest thing that that you've learned about yourself through through marriage? 
I think uh, the greatest thing that uh, I've learned about me is I, th I could sum it up in, in a in a statement, and I will, but I think I'm going to preface it with a story. Is whenever whenever we first got married, like all, all of a sudden, like you know, we're off we're off on our honeymoon, and the high kind of like co goes down, and and all of a sudden reality sets in, and and I realize that this is like something that I had been looking forward to my entire life, and now it's here, and I'm thinking, okay, now. Now what? How am I? Sp how am I supposed to feel? Like I had an idea of how I was uh, supposed to feel, and uh, and and during like for like three or four months, I started like going downhill emotionally. Like I was like just I was sad about things, and like our relationship was building and we were growing, and um, but at the same time I felt sad. Everything was good, but I felt sad. Have anyone ever been in a place where everything externally is great, but internally you're kind of dying? Yeah. And so I, I was kind of in that place, and, and, uh, and, and I felt ashamed to talk to her about it because I felt like if I did open up um, that maybe she would think something was her fault or, or that uh, there was um, instability or she couldn't lean on me. And so um, there was a moment specifically when um, I really came to you and, and talked to you about how I felt, and you really didn't think that there was anything, realized that there was anything wrong, and, and, uh, and I just kind of broke down, and I think, f I just like remember sitting in your car just crying on your shoulder for yeah. probably 30 minutes out in the parking lot um, of our apartments, and, uh, and I think I'll sum it up with this, is like I, l I tried to punch my way out of it myself, but really what I needed is somebody else to share the burden with me. Yeah. And, uh, and I had to be able to let my walls down, which is to say the greatest thing that I've learned about God and myself is that vulnerability paves the way to intimacy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Vulnerability yeah. paves the way to intimacy. Yeah, intimacy is not a, a byproduct of good performance. Like, I perform good, I'm a good husband, I'm providing well. Well, that's not going to create intimacy. The only thing that will is the last thing we want to do. <laughs> it's called vulnerability. And yeah. so that's what I learned, and, and I realized how you, I'm, I mean, you weren't there to tell me what I need to do, but rather to pick me up. And, and uh, I've, n I've never felt more joy in my life since then because I have more trust for you than ever. So Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, okay, so th here's, here's the last question, but it's like a two-part thing. So... What would be, what's one thing that your parents did that you want to duplicate? Yeah. And then, what, you know, what's one thing that you really admire about um, seasoned couples? Mm. So it's kind of a two-part. I think, so our, growing up, we had very different family, like, dynamics, I would say. I was trying to look for the right word, but family dynamics. I come from a divorced home um, where my mom's been remarried multiple times. My dad um, is remarried, and so it's a lot of blended family. And um, thankfully, by the grace of God, I feel like, you know, our divorce was normal, but it wasn't bad. Um, my parents were very cordial. Um, and I'll still get his Christmas presents, which is great. <laughs> yeah, he experienced like four Christmases. That's it's crazy. Yeah, it's running Hashtag around. Blessed, right? Yeah, it's crazy running around and stuff, but it's so fun. Um but I think really 
what I um, admire about seasoned couples and couples that have just been together and just choose to just walk in that covenant relationship is the ability to stick it out even when it gets hard. Um, Because I think that it's so easy in our culture nowadays to just, you know, use the D word like so, and that sounds bad, but divorce is what I meant. Um, Use use that. But it is though because we, like we've been established in, in our home is like, the moment that we say divorce, all of a sudden, that's a playing card that's on the table. Yeah, and, yeah, and we. And so it's like we don't we don't say that. Right. We, we just don't say it, and because it's I mean words carry life, and so I think yeah. that's huge. Yeah. So I really admire seasoned couples that because I know like how much that we've changed in year and we've kind of like stumbled through it. You know what yeah. I mean? And just the ability to stick it out, but also with that, I had. You know, like I said, my um, step, my stepmom and um, dad, they have been married and they're actually celebrating seven years today. Um, But the ability for people who have been divorced to walk through seasons of dating and um, marriage God's way the second time around, because um, I think it was really awesome to see that modeled. Um, there's no secret that, you know, there's kids involved and, um, you know, so earmuffs again, sex has been a thing. They've had sex before, you know, they've dated, they've been married, you know, it's not their first time around, but to see them choose to walk in the way that God designed it, even the second time around, just to have that blessed marriage and to have that covenant be so strong and choose that was really is really awesome and I just really admire that as well yeah yeah that's awesome certainly and I think like what I what do I admire most about I think my upbringing or what do I want to duplicate I mean that's a wonderful question and uh for those of you who submitted questions thank you so much these are wonderful questions in the term of covenant relationship um you can always tell when it's a contractual or covenant when you know that that person is with you. You know they're with you. You're not afraid that if you do this or that that they're going to bounce. They're with you. And uh, I always felt that um, particularly from dad. I think coming, com- like dad coming home every night was like the event of the Woody household. And so dad would come home and my, my favorite thing was my, my brothers and I, we would gather downstairs and we couldn't wait until dad got finished talking to mom so he could come down and we could wrestle. Oh, we loved wrestling and fighting dad. And so we'd run and jump on dad, and, and he would grab us under our arm and throw us into the couch and then get a pillow and smack Ian in the face, and we'd laugh. <laughs> and we just had the best time. Literally, my favorite memories growing up was just like these moments of wrestling and fighting with dad and as brothers, and we would be laughing and laughing. And mom would be like, what's going on? And dad would be like, we're just praying. Just kidding. And so... <laughs> That was like, that was such a bonding time. And here's the thing is what I realized is dad, he worked a whole lot. For those of you who are here today and you you have a full schedule, a full life. I mean, dad worked a lot. But here's the thing. Although he wasn't, he wasn't always, he wasn't there in proximity as often as other dads. I never felt that he was gone in presence. Like he, when he was there, he was there. Like he was with me and I never felt dad wasn't there. And so. Um, I think for, for parents, and think what I want to duplicate is, is uh, 
you know, I want to I want to create that for our baby, for our child, for our family in the future is uh, I want to I want to come home and I want to make that the event of the evening and yeah. to give my baby, my daughter to be in my full attention and presence, you know, dancing around the, the table, listening to Disney World music, if that means <laughs> what it is. So so um, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think just hearing that kind of made me think of something also um, that my dad used to do. And I know that we've talked about that yeah. your dad has done this as well. But one thing that I admired and I think that we have already talked about duplicating um, as parents, but we do this with each other now is asking for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and rather than just saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. Rather than just saying, I'm sorry and asking for forgiveness, you know, as soon as possible mm-hmm. um, instead of, you know, just saying, yeah. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, I, th- I think that's something that my dad modeled really well for me. And I know we could have this blow up on the phone or something like that. But I knew that I was going to get a call back and say, hey, will you forgive me? And I think there's something about humbling yourself in that sense to that builds trust um with each other um and just owning up to your mistakes in that way um and so I think I really we have decided to duplicate that in our marriage but also we want to duplicate that as parents too yeah it's wonderful that you said that it's like the difference is like saying asking for forgiveness is more of a humbling because like saying sorry like sorry like that's like a statement like take it or leave it sorry Hey, sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, the worst. Oh, oh, never say that, y'all. And so, but the difference in, like, from contrasting sorry to, like, will you forgive me? Like, you put it in their court. Yeah. And you humble yourself. And so um, forgiveness is, is key. Well, how about um, seasoned, uh, seasoned couples? Um, anything particular to you stands stand out? Um, in addition to what you said about seasoned couples, yeah. Because I was gonna reference <laughs> basically, like, what are you looking for? Like here? seasoned cu- <laughs> seasoned couples, like in the in the church. Yeah. Do you ever look at one of those like older couples and you're like, oh my gosh, what have they been through? Yes. Because I'm like, it's only been a few years for me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I've learned so much about myself. Right. right. And, and I'm like, man, I've been through it. Yes. And then, but then I'm like, dang, they've been through right, it. Right. Like for and real. They stick yeah. it out. Yeah. Like, can we give a hand for the season yeah. couple? Woo! Thank you guys. Like, oh my gosh. It's yeah, you just amazing. look them in the eye and you see wisdom, age, experience, and that they know the depths of your soul. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And you come to them with your problems and they're like, ah, just, just ah, wait. It's going to be okay. Just like, wait. It's, what I, what I love about growing up, like, seasoned couples in the church or maybe any individuals over the age of, of 35 is, is people who were there, that's it. Like, they're there. Because in our generation, like, uh, m- millennials, we're kind of everywhere, and we're kind of like the fatherless generation, and we have all this energy to be channeled in here. And, all, every, and here's the thing is, like, my generation, we need spiritual fathers yeah. yeah i'm pleading and i'm begging i'm asking we need spiritual fathers to step up 
Because yes, and we've mothers. got time, we've got time and energy and talent, but we don't have anybody to father us through it. And our time and energy and talent is going through destructive th- things rather than things that are going to build the kingdom of God yeah. and build our lives and build families. Right. And so I think that the issue is we, like like Paul said, he said uh, to the church, he says you. You have plenty of guides, and you have plenty of teachers, but what you're lacking is spiritual fathers. And uh, a spiritual father is, I think, in context of covenant relationships, someone that's going to say, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to celebrate you when you win. I'm going to cover you when you fail, and I'm going to challenge you to be better. And so my plea is, man, if you're here today, we need you as a spiritual father. I mean, we, we need you. We can't do this without you. We're going to go further, faster together, right. and so um, yeah. please, please yeah. step in and uh, and sh- and be the father or mother that you never had. Amen. That's my prayer. Wow, so, yeah. Yeah. anything else? Amen. That's all I got. All right, wonderful. Will you help me <laughs> thank Jordan, my beautiful wife Dakota? Thank you guys so yeah. much. And uh, stay up here with me. And before we dismiss and before we close, we're just going to talk and speak to a moment. And uh, we want to uh, invite you into a prayer of blessing. And so what does a covenant relationship look like? I think a contractual relationship is one relationship where it's filled with compromise. A contractual relationship is one that's uh, filled with competition, (laughs) competing against each other. When you're in competition together, then all of a sudden you're no longer on the same team. You're against each other. House divided against this itself cannot stand. I want to live and I want to declare and I want to challenge us to live the covenant relationship kind of life. It's not cultural. It doesn't make sense. You won't see it in the media. You won't see it out there. But guess what? It can be taught and it can be lived out by the church of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every man, woman, and child in this place. God, we thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your son that whoever believes will have the promise of eternal life. God, we thank you for that promise and that certainty of eternal life in Christ Jesus. So God, we step and we stand and we return into your covenant. And God, right now to couples and to marriages, God, I speak strength in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that contractual mindsets will begin to fall away and that trust would build like never before, that intimacy would build like never before, and that passion in these marriages of our church will build like never before in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there will be couples and people in this room that will walk through the streets, that will walk through this church, and they will be admired because of the passion and the love that they have because of a deep-rooted covenant relationship in Jesus' name. God, for friendships. God, I speak fresh friendships in the name of Jesus. For those who have been isolated, those who have been alone, those who haven't opened themselves up to relationship because they've been hurt in the past, God, I speak healing in Jesus' name. God, I speak forgiveness in Jesus' name from old wounds. And God, I pray for intimacy and friendship and relationship. That's going to bring encouragement. That's going to bring challenge. That's going to bring covering. In Jesus' name, I pray. So God, we love you. We bless you. And God, we realize we can only have and we can only give what we have, which is relationship and covenant with you. So God, we love you and bless you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, and all the church said, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you, church. Have you discovered your street of influence? 
Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.